So would you please stand uh, in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6, and 16 to 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Jeff. I am one of the pastors here, and if you are new uh, with us this morning, we have slowly been working through the Sermon on the Mount as we recognize and see how not only has our Lord Jesus made us right with God, but in his love for us, he also is leading us into these blessings that we get by being made righteous by him. And so we're, we're considering the teaching that he has and how he kind of challenges us and moves us in the direction we're called to be. For us to hear him well, we need the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, and so let's take a moment to pray for his help. Father, we have um, been celebrating this reality that after Jesus rose and ascended, he sent us your spirit, and by your spirit, you are very present among us, giving us power that we otherwise do not have. And so we ask again that your spirit would empower us, that as we hear these words, as we consider them together, that the life that is in them would become life to us, that we would be made more like Jesus, and that you would be pleased. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a crazy time, I think. I think probably we all can agree with that. If you are following the news, this just seems like there's a lot of chaos. It seems like no one can, can agree about anything whether it's politics or policies, whether it's ethics or even bathrooms. We just are having a hard time coming to any kind of agreement. But I was thinking this week, there is one exception to that, at least one, there's probably more than one exception, but at least one of these exceptions is that all of us, I think, agree that hypocrisy is bad. 
I don't know if I've ever heard someone say, as I've been thinking about my life and I've been seeing who I am and I want to be true to myself, I've decided I need to own my hypocrisy. Or if, if one of our kids said, you know, as I've been trying to figure out who I want to be growing up, I want to be a hypocrite. And, you know, I don't think parents say, Johnny, you know, you just got to follow your dreams. I mean, we, we recognize that hypocrisy is wrong. We don't like hypocrisy. And by hypocrisy, of course, I'm talking about that, I guess we could say a two-facedness. Um, the Greek word from which the word hypocrite is derived is originally a theater term talking about actors who normally would wear masks. And that's a fairly appropriate description. There's a mask element to hypocrisy where we put on an appearance how we think we want to be viewed, maybe an appearance of being friendly or honest or, or sensitive, when really the reality beyond the mask is something different, something that's oftentimes less attractive. Hypocrisy is, is a form of deceit. It's, it's being dishonest, right? Now, the opposite of hypocrisy is integrity. Integrity, as the word implies, is when we're integrated. That is, the person that we are projecting is actually the same person as the person who we truly are. Integrity is a hard thing to, to see in another person because it takes time to get beyond the mask. Sometimes it, it means we need to wait until we see someone being challenged by suffering and then, and then the mask comes off. But when we do see integrity, we almost always admire it. You know, if hypocrisy is something we all agree is a problem, integrity is something we all agree that we, we admire, we value, we want to be integrated, don't we? We want to be the, the, the people that we project ourselves as. We want to be those people. And we want our children to have integrity. We don't want them just to be people who've learned how to manipulate the system, how to, to kiss up to the right people and to play the game. We want them to have character deep down. Because integrity, we know, is a good thing. We know if our society was filled with people of integrity and people of leadership and in power and, and co-workers and businesses that we work with, that would make our society so much better. We all agree that integrity is something we want. But the problem is hypocrisy is easy. Hypocrisy comes naturally because we want to please people. But integrity is hard. So how do we move from our natural tendency to hypocrisy to becoming people of integrity? Well, turning to our passage, uh, my guess is it won't surprise you that as we're looking at Jesus' description of righteousness, as he's calling us to righteousness, he shares these same values of, of being opposed to hypocrisy and, and for us growing in integrity. There's nothing shocking about that. But what I think is surprising in this passage, and this is what sh you know, struck me this week, is the answer he gives to that question I just asked, how do we move from hypocrisy to integrity? And the answer we will see is that we grow in integrity by looking for our reward in the right place. Let's look at our passage more closely. We see kind of the thesis statement at the very beginning in that very first verse where he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, 
For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. By the way, I'd encourage you to keep the bulletins open. We're going to be looking at this passage kind of verse by verse. We'll make it easier for you to kind of follow what I'm saying. But this first verse that I just read, that, as I said, is the thesis. Everything else flows from what he is saying. Everything else is kind of illustrating. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness. Literally, it is pay attention to your righteousness. That is, be proactive, be self-aware as you are seeking to do what is right. Specifically, he is saying, pay attention to why you are doing what is right. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, he's not here saying that it is wrong for us to be publicly righteous, because when we are doing what is right, inevitably there are times it will be public, and that's the way we see Jesus. Jesus' righteousness was visible for all to see. No, Jesus is talking about our, our reason behind it. Beware of doing it so that other people will see your righteousness doing our acts in order to be seen by them. And then, you know, the following verses, he gives three examples. So verse 2, and, and here what he's talking about is hypocrisy, that doing things so that others might see. In, in verse 2, he tells us that when you give to the poor, don't be like the hypocrites who make a big show of it, with trumpets sounding so that everybody knows. Look, there was a generous person right there. When I was reading that, that's absurd. Like, you know, trumpets sounding... And then I was in Costco this last week. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you at grocery stores where, you know, like you're paying with a credit card and they ask, would you like to donate to such and such a place? Well, I saw someone else saying yes, and then suddenly there was a whistle blown and there was all sorts of like noise being made and people were cheering. And I realized they are trying to get us to do exactly what Jesus is saying we shouldn't be doing. And that is attracting attention to ourselves and giving so that everyone can kind of applaud us. So this is not just a hypothetical. This happens, right? And he's saying, don't give, don't give that big donation just so that everyone can say, man, that person was generous. That's hypocrisy. Verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray in a very obvious fashion so that people can look and say, man, that person is a man of prayer. Or when you fast, that is, when you are humbling yourself by going without food so you can remind yourself of your dependency before God, don't have this haggard appearance where you haven't showered for a couple of days and you look bad and someone says, so you're not looking so great. Oh, oh, really? Oh, it's just I've been fasting. Don't, don't do that so that people can recognize and admire you. That's hypocrisy, Jesus is saying. Watch yourself. Praying, giving, fasting, these are good things. But when we are doing them so that we can be seen by others, Jesus says, you are emptying those acts of their righteousness. And he's not just limiting it to these. These are three examples of the larger point. But this holds true for a lot of things. If we are working hard and well so that we can be seen by our employer and be promoted, that's hypocrisy. Or if we are going to church so that others can realize that we are going to church, that's hypocrisy. That's not just a hypothetical. I, many of you know I, was, I went to Wheaton as an undergrad, and I loved Wheaton. But when you have a higher ethical standard, you also have higher potential of hypocrisy. And it used to be, and I don't know if this is still the case, but it used to be that lunch on Sundays, 
Sometimes some college students might have stayed up just a little too late the night before, and so they attended, you know, Church of the Holy Inner Spring or Pillow Presbyterian or whatever euphemism you want to go for sleeping late on Sunday mornings. But by the time they would come to lunch, and I had friends who did this occasionally, they would have dressed up in their Sunday best, have showered so that no one could call them out for having missed church that Sunday. That's hypocrisy, right? That's, and there's, there's all sorts of things that we do, not because they're right, but just because we want to be perceived as being right. But Jesus calls us to a different way. He says, instead, seek the way of integrity, which he identifies with the way of secrecy. Did you notice this? Verse 3, Jesus says, when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Or verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who is in secret. Do you see this emphasis on secrecy? Now, again, like he does often in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking figuratively here. Obviously, my hand doesn't know anything, so I can't have one hand knowing or not knowing the other. And, and likewise, Jesus is not outlawing public prayer. We didn't do wrong things this morning when we had three people doing prayers of the people. Jesus himself prayed publicly. And he's not saying that when you fast, you always need to have perfume or cologne to make yourself look really presentable. He's, he's making a point that our orientation for what we're doing should not be in any sense for performing before others. That when we are acting, it should be the very same whether people see us or not. And in fact, we should be doing it with such secrecy that we're even not paying attention. It's not even just so that we can feel good about ourselves. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's, you know, the question that we should ask is, if no one saw us, would we do exactly the same thing as we do when people see us? That's what Jesus is talking about, about doing this in secrecy. I've heard it said that integrity is who you are when no one is looking. And I think that's a helpful standard, don't you? Who are you when no one is looking? If you had the ability to, on one hand, either be a hardworking, faithful, honest, pious, God-fearing person in every way, or to be lazy, dishonest, getting your own way without having to work hard, and neither would have any differences in their consequences, if there was no accountability for doing wrong, would our lives change in any way? Reminded of a part of, um, from Plato's Republic, maybe you can remember that from high school or college, but there's this one point where there's this dialogue between Socrates and another person, and this other person talks about Gyges' ring. It's a story of a shepherd named Gyges who comes across the ruins and he recognizes and he finds this ring and he puts it on, this is long before Tolkien, but he puts it on and he becomes invisible. And, and what really the story is about is he has discovered a way of doing whatever he wants and never experiencing any negative consequences. 
So as the story goes on, he, he steals things, he seduces the queen, he kills the king, he takes over the throne. And this person, as he's talking to Socrates, says, now imagine if there were two such rings, and one was given to someone who is a morally upstanding citizen, who has done everything right, and the other ring was given to someone who is known as being a criminal. After a few weeks, would they be any different from each other? When you think of the temptation of a ring with no consequences, a temptation for taking whatever you want from any store, of voyeurism, of, of doing things that are cruel, of being able to subvert your competitor in business with no consequences whatsoever, would anyone be able to withstand that temptation? I mean, would you want Gaiji's ring? knowing that that would grant you the possibility of doing anything you wanted and no one would ever know. What would any of us become if no one was looking? It's a question about integrity. But here's the thing, actually, Jesus doesn't quite make that the definition of integrity. I don't know, if you were paying close attention, Jesus actually does say there is an audience that we should be considering. He goes on to emphasize that for the righteous person, their audience is their heavenly father. Did you notice how again and again in these verses, Jesus talks about how our father sees. For example, verse 18, do your fasting that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who's in secret. So he's not just saying don't have any audience. He's saying people shouldn't be your audience, but your father, the one who sees in secret, he is your audience. We do have an audience. We want to be seen by God. And here's where we get, I think, to the surprising part of the passage that I mentioned earlier. Surprising for me, at least, where we find Jesus instructing us how to move from hypocrisy to integrity, because that is the million-dollar question, isn't it? How is it that we can grow in integrity, something that we all want? This week, I googled, how do I become a person of integrity, out of curiosity to see what answer I got. And I came to a website entitled selfgrowth.com, appropriately enough, I suppose. And it offered three steps. It had an article that gives, this is the mechanism for becoming a person of integrity. Step one, identify your core values, the things that you think are really important. Step two, study figures in history or mentors who exemplify those models. And then step three, fake it until you make it. That's actually what it said. Fake it till you make it. That is, start acting that way, and then it will become true of you. Now, I actually don't think any of that advice is that bad. I think all three of those, there's even an element with a third where sometimes we, we, we act before we feel it and the feelings follow. But it's not enough, is it? Because if it was just a matter of those three steps, integrity would come much more quickly and easily. We need something more. And Jesus gives us something more. He tells us that the key to growing in integrity is to remember that you always have an audience. That you are living for an audience of one. And that's the Father who, no matter how in secret you are, even the most secret thoughts of your heart that you don't even acknowledge to yourself, he sees. Your father sees in secret, Jesus says. 
And Jesus takes this actually one step further. When Jesus speaks of who our audience is, he is speaking specifically about who we look to for our reward. Did you see that? This is, again, part of the refrain of this passage. That the key to integrity is to move from seeking for our reward from other people and instead to look to God to be the one who gives us a reward. Now, this sounds strange to us. Let me kind of show you how we see that in these verses. Notice how in verse 2, after describing the hypocritical giving, he says, truly they have received their reward. And what is he talking about? He's saying that when people are giving so that the poor person says, man, thank you so much, you're so generous. If that's the reason, that's exactly what they bought. They bought that praise. They've received what they were looking for. Or when people are fasting or praying with the goal that other people might think highly of them, then they've received exactly what they were pursuing in their prayers and their fasting. Those are the rewards that they've gotten. Jesus is saying that when you do actions for the sake of being seen, you will get exactly what you are pursuing, but you will miss out on something greater. Notice again verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus is saying very specifically the reason that you should be seeking righteousness apart from hypocrisy has to do with a reward. That if you do it without any goal of being seen, you are pursuing a reward and your Father in heaven will grant you a reward. And he only makes that clear in the following verses. Verse 4, Jesus says that when our giving is done in secret, your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Verse 8, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in secret will reward you. Again, verse 17, in case we've missed it, when we fast so that our father can see, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I find this striking. My guess is that if I were to ask you what's the difference between hypocrisy and integrity, all of us naturally would say something like this, that hypocrisy is when we're doing things to be seen by others, but integrity is when we're doing things just because it's right. But that's not actually what Jesus says here. His key difference is that hypocrisy is when we do what is right to get rewards from the people around us who are seeing us. But biblical integrity is what we do when we get our reward from God himself. And see, that means integrity is not about willpower. It's not just about a steely determination to fake it until we make it. Integrity is actually about pursuing a reward from the right source. Integrity is about faith, what we put our faith in. See, here's the thing about just human nature. We all are seeking rewards. Every choice that we make, and I know we don't usually speak in this term, but if you think about it, it's, it's kind of almost obvious. Everything we do, it's because we think that is something that is preferable for us. There's something more rewarding in what we choose to do instead of what we don't do. So for some of us in the morning, we choose to wake up early because we think that having a jump on the day will be a better day for us than not. Others of us We keep hitting the snooze button because we think that sleep is way more rewarding than anything else that we can get in those hours. We we choose what's more rewarding. 
The, the jobs that we choose, we have different choices, and the job that we choose to be our occupation, we choose because we believe that's going to somehow be better for us. Even when we're, we're giving kindly to others, there's something in us that says, I would rather be the person who gives than who doesn't. We find it more rewarding. There's nothing selfish about that. That's just who we are. We are pursuing rewards. That's part of human nature. And wherever we look to for our reward, that is what we're putting our faith in. So when we're performing for others, we're saying, I believe that you are the ones that are most likely to give me what I want. My faith is in you and your opinion. But when we are pursuing the reward from God, then we're putting our faith in him. And that's exactly what Hebrews says, by the way. Hebrews chapter 11, it's describing faith. And it says, faith in God is believing that God exists and that God rewards those who seek him. Do you hear that? To believe in God is to believe that he will reward you as you seek him. And then later on as an example, it talks about Moses. You know, Moses who had the opportunity to stay in riches in the palace in Egypt, but he goes and decides to side with his people. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, here's why. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses is a man of faith and a man of integrity, not because he's saying, I am just going to do it because it's right. No, he's pursuing integrity because he says, that's where my reward truly is found. I trust God to give me the reward that I'm really seeking. See, here's the key of integrity. We move from hypocrisy to integrity when we realize what people have to offer me is not enough. I want more. I want what only God can give me. I've quoted C.S. Lewis in this before, but it's worth repeating. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord Jesus finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We settle for the approval of other people and think that's enough when we could get so much more from a God who delights in rewarding us. Now let me say, when Jesus is talking about this, he's not somehow moving us into this idea that we have to somehow earn God's approval. Notice how again and again, when God is mentioned here, he's spoken of as Father, that is the one who already loves us. If you are in Christ, you are loved by God, and that can never change or be made more true. What he is saying is that whenever we take steps of obedience to our God, there will never be a time where we can look back and say, I regret having done that. We will always be glad for having obeyed our Father. It will always be something we ultimately find rewarding. Now, there's an aspect that that's true already in this life we experience that. So, so Jesus tells us, that as we give, we will discover that it is more blessed a thing to give than receive. And, and elsewhere in scriptures, it tells us that when you give righteously, not for the eyes of others, but just to give, God enriches you. He gives you a growing generosity. He makes your heart bigger and your joy bigger as you learn to delight more and more in giving. That's a reward. 
And likewise, there is a reward in humbling ourselves and praying not towards others, but just towards God. When we pray to him, we experience him answering prayers in remarkable ways. And, and we get rewired, so we start seeing the world differently. We begin to, to deal with the world with greater peace and confidence. And we get to know God and see his face more clearly. There is reward that God gives to those who do righteousness before him. But I think Jesus is speaking of even more than just that. There is a sense that Jesus is telling us that when Jesus returns and all is said and done, all that we have sacrificed in following Christ to the cross, all of those things will rebound and echo in joy and reward in a way that I don't fully understand even exactly what that means. But what I do know is our God is trustworthy and that he has loved us so faithfully that he has given us his son. And if he says there is reward from him in doing righteousness, we know it's true. That in the end, following him will be absolutely, completely worth it. Here's the key to integrity, not just saying, I'm going to work hard at it, but to realize there is reward in righteousness when we pursue it, not in the eyes of others, but when we look to please our one audience, which is God, our Father. It's not enough to fake it until we make it. We need to say, I want something more. A number of years ago, my dad, uh, who was working for a computer company, was the guest of some people in Tokyo who were seeking to be a partner company with him. And he tells me that one of his memories of it that most sticks with him is there was a time where he was at the manufacturing center and he saw you know, the assembly line. And there's a certain point where a man stopped the assembly line and had noticed something that, that would never be visible to any consumer. It was something like a screw that was not quite right or something like that. But he had to stop and he took quite a bit of time to make it just right. And my dad, when he was talking with one of the managers after about how that, that seemed, you know, to be dealing with something that was really not going to be visible to anyone, the person said, well, no one else probably would ever know, but he would know, and that's enough. It's a picture of integrity. But we have something even stronger that we can say, don't we? It's not just that you know. It's that God knows. When you are in work and you realize no one else is going to see this, or at home and you are, say, cleaning up and, and people won't appreciate it and make notice of it, or when you're maybe trying to do something nice for your neighbor and you will not get thanks and you know that, you know that there is one who sees and there's one who delights in what you are doing and that he will reward you. That's the power that we're given for integrity. Our Lord Jesus calls us to a better life, a life of blessing, and he tells us how to do it. But he does even more. We've celebrated today that this is the day of Pentecost, which means Jesus not only calls us to integrity, he gives us the power to pursue it by the Holy Spirit. And knowing that, let's, let's turn to him asking him for help. We're going to take a moment of, of confession. If you look at your bulletins, if you turn on page 9, you'll see this community confession of sin. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to use these words of confession to respond to the word of Jesus that we've just heard. And partway through, we'll have an opportunity for silent confession to specifically name before God areas where we are asking to be changed. 
So would you please uh, pray with me? Lord God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, together we confess to you that we lack integrity. Many of our good actions are done not out of love or righteousness, but out of a desire for others' approval. We have sought our reward in the opinions of others rather than in you. Please forgive our hypocrisy. By the power of your Holy Spirit, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts so that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen. I invite you to stand to hear the good news of the gospel. Centuries before Jesus, the prophet prophesied, speaking, this is God speaking, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. You will be my people and I will be your God. Friends in Christ, our sins are forgiven through the work of Christ and we have been given the Holy Spirit. Live in the joy and peace of this assurance. Thanks be to God.